Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. We're glad that you could join us <laughs> for the This Sultry Voice is one that you don't hear very often in these intros, but this is what you're getting today. The ratings are <laughs> spiking as we speak. <laughs> My name is Jackson O'Brien. My name is David Short. I'm Tanner Hoffs. And as you know, as you clicked and probably know because only our friends listen to this, <laughs> the Desiring Brethren podcast, and we appreciate you joining us for this episode. And... It is weird that I am kind of hosting or something along the lines because I'm the only podcaster that has been absent for some of the episodes. Dave, you haven't missed? No. 100%? Yes. And I was recently thinking about it in a sermon from Tim Timothy Keller when he talked about how the Inklings in, uh, in Oxford when um, oh. C.S. Lewis, uh, Charles Williams, I think, and J.R.R. Tolkien were all part of that. Met at the pub. They met at the pub. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Who are each of us three of those? Uh, Jackson, you're the unknown. (laughs) It's you and me. C.S. Lewis, (laughs) Tolkien. Let's do this. Um, Speak your elvish. (laughs) I know. You have to prove yourself. I could be C.S. Lewis. He was a secret agent in World War II. I'm taking it. Are you really? Yeah. He was taking... The intelligence service said, can you do these broadcasts to Iceland celebrating their culture? So that if we have to invade them, because they're neutral, but we might have to like invade them to put up a military base there, mm-hmm. that they'll be more okay with it. <laughs> like, really just lay it on them that they're so amazing, so that when we do this, the morale, they'll like us. Right. So he was assigned to do that, and he did a bunch of radio talks. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Secret agent. Dave is uh, more Catholic than any of us anyways, so that makes perfect sense that he would be Tolkien. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. I don't, I don't know what that means. Jared Tolkien was an anarchist, too. That doesn't make any sense. He was. Huh. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is he writes great stories. <laughs> Speaking of Catholicism, as you... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Jackson, Jackson, before we keep going. Sure. Dave, call my phone. Call your phone. Call my phone. Ugh, this is going to take a while. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Female anatomy, you know? I love watching female javelin. Watching the full body rotation. Oh, yeah. The legs, abs, arms. Oh, it's the arms. Oh. The legs, abs, oh. arms, shoulders, oh. <laughs> I made it my ringtone late last night. That was why I'm so That's why you're Oh, man. Because that was my favorite part that's ever happened on our podcast. Dude. Oh, sorry. Catholicism. Right, yeah. yeah. So Catholicism, great. As you clicked on this podcast, there was a few words that came up that might not have been familiar. Felix Culpa. That's the title of the podcast and what we're going to be talking about. So... Briefly, those are Latin words, and Latin has been the, the, the scholarly language of our Christian heritage since Tertullian, kind of, since the second century. So we've used Latin, and I think in the 1960s, it was when the Catholic Church finally stopped using Latin in the Mass. So briefly, why are we calling it Felix Culpa? Because I will give you the, uh, the words. Felix means happy 
or blessed or something along those lines of, of goodness. And then culpa is where we get our word culpability. So blame or fault or fall. So when you look at Felix culpa, think happy fall. Oh, happy fall. And this is a weird concept. And so the, the question that we'll be exploring throughout this podcast is, is the fall, is it sin, is the fall ever something to celebrate? <gasps> Le gasp. <laughs> In order to avoid move, removing it from the context, here's the first mention of, quote unquote, the happy fall by a theologian named Thomas Aquinas. So not mentioned in the Bible first. Mm. Okay, that has That's... a mark against it. Good to know, good yeah. to know. Okay. So a Catholic said it first. <laughs> All right, continue, continue. Wait a second. Everybody was Catholic before the Reformation. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, let's brush you up. So in Thomas Aquinas, he was a theologian, so Catholic theologian from the 13th century. This is what he said. Oh, fortunate crime. There's your Felix Culpa. Oh, fortunate crime, which merited such and so great a redeemer. And Augustine said something similarly, though not the same. And Augustine was before Thomas Aquinas, but it's some, um, God judged it better to bring good out of evil than to allow no evil to exist. So what is it? Boom. Mm. Augustine, Bishop 395, wrote Confessions 397, died 430. 411. Boom rusted. <laughs> <laughs> Just finished that final exam. <laughs> Sorry that this one is so heady, but we're going to get into it pretty quick here. So Felix Culpa, as suggested by Aquinas, is proclaiming the quote-unquote benefits of the fall. For without the fall, humans would never have known such a beautiful thing as redemption. Had we not sinned, we would be perpetually in a state of communion with God, but we would have, in some senses, never known Jesus. So I'm going to use a, I use a proof text to support this. So Dave will fall in love with this idea again. So here it is. Romans 5, I verse 20. I love proof yeah. text. <laughs> Everybody loves proof text. <laughs> you do. Here it is. Uh, Romans 5, 20. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Therefore, it is, quote unquote, good that we sin so we could behold the fullness and depth of God's love. So you're saying this is what I'm hearing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing the fall, hmm. Adam and Eve, sin, all that. It was good because then we got the interesting, like, sin stuff that is so fun. That's what you're <laughs> saying. Like, we didn't have gambling and we were all bored. And then we got gambling? In That's nut- what I'm hearing. In a nutshell? No. Okay, <laughs> cool. Okay, cool. But, like, any movie that doesn't have, like, bad stuff, if it doesn't have conflict, it's not going to sell. Yeah, totally. So, conflict's the best. You ever Have you ever listened to a story that didn't have conflict? Can you think of one? Uh, probably Terrence Malick movies. Hey! <laughs> it's existential conflict! It's wrestling within himself! Anyway. Um, no, okay, so... Uh, there's a problem with, like, not knowing the... Ult- turn like this is 2020 hindsight pulling out good Mm. things and then saying it's good that the bad things still happen because we don't we don't know the course of history if there was no fall and i'm assuming it would be full of bliss and wonderful things always increasing in the knowledge of god just like we assume what heaven Mm. will be like right Mm. okay so you would between two scenarios you would choose Walking in the Garden of Eden with God over God-made man coming down to earth 
laying down his life for us and communion with him? Um, I think I would based on all the baggage that comes with it. Mm. Yeah. Even though I introduced this idea, I have way more problems with it, <laughs> more problems with it than I I'm going to have to defend it then. I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, well, I like it in some sense because it allows me to watch really terrible movies as long as there's, you know, redemption in the end. It's sort of just the ends justify the means, I Ooh, guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense in my mind, like emotionally. I like the idea. Because I think, yes, when you go through hard things, it makes you appreciate grace and any close relationship. The fact that you've gone through hard things together and come out the other side is amazing. Right. You know, and you feel like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's why people who are 30 years into marriage say they love each other so much more. Mm. is because when they first loved each other, it was like a shallow love. It was a love based on you're perfect. And then 30 years later, it's a love based on you're really screwed up, but I still love you. Right. You know, so I, emotionally, it's like, yeah, you know, and then when I think about like, oh, Jesus and redemption and oh, my goodness, you know, I want to praise him in mm. heaven for that, where it's like, I'm not convinced I would so want to praise God in heaven for just having existed in the garden. Right. Him. But maybe I would. But he'd still be everything that he is like he's God. And so we would be eternally getting to know him more and more. Right. And seen more and more of him and what he's like and experiencing. Well, like you couldn't see certain sides of him if we didn't create scenarios where more of his character was revealed. Because we needed to sin in order, to see, in order to see the fullness of God. We would never have known redemption if we never had sinned. Right, we wouldn't see that part of him. Mm-hmm. And we would never no. sin like, yeah, like I... Sometimes I get this argument because we wouldn't see the depth of his love. Mm-hmm. We have known, as Tanner said, a shallow kind of like... Let me give you a perfect example. Okay. <laughs> the rock monsters in the movie mm-hmm. Noah no. <laughs> are like chained to the earth. But when it's like, he has accepted us or whatever they say at the end. And then they like burst out into these like beans of light and they go back to heaven. Oh, right. They're so psyched about it. Because they realize that they fell, right? When the rock monsters, they burst in the story of Noah? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even... Dave, I just want to have this fight. I can't, <laughs> I can't get into Noah without getting angry, so... <laughs> right. The idea that you brought up of like this better love, I don't think that it necessarily is true that hmm. you wouldn't still have that love for someone that hasn't fallen and failed you. Mm-hmm. I don't think I buy into that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's the hard part is like, it's true to our experience. And I know like we can't base all of our theology based on like what resonates with us, you know, because you can get a lot of things that resonate with you that aren't true. Yeah. But I think there's something to the idea that the Christian story matches reality in some way, the way right. we experience it, where mm-hmm. we experience reality as how incredible redemption is in our own lives. And so it's like, yeah, we put that on God. Like that is so good that yeah, I'm happy that we got to this point where we fell and that God was able to pick us up or it's, something. But Okay. I'm going to get into why I hate this because <laughs> the, fun, the problem with it is that I can't ever, I don't think I, <clears throat> it's hard for me to come to a point where I say, thank you God for my sin. Mm. Thank you, God, for that. Well, you're not thanking him for the sin. (laughs) Are you? It's where it leads. It's logically. 
No, it's not logically. <laughs> Don't use that word. <laughs> it it must though. But the problem is, I think, is why would we the the problem of evil and suffering comes along because why would we praise God for so much evil and 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 despair that people went through in order to get to redemption when not only some may not get to that redemption, but like not only have I lived a really easy life in comparison to many people, but like there's genocide and terrible things that happen in life that I'm not praising God for those. Yeah. But I mean, those people who have had harder lives often are the ones who say, I wouldn't go back and change things because I can see what came out of it. That was so beautiful. I mean, as extreme as like they get raped or something, but then they get like a beautiful daughter that they grow to love over their whole lives. And then you've got that person going, what that person did to me was evil, and yet this incredible thing that I would never give up came out of it. Right. I'm not sure they would say, oh, I wish the evil had not happened and I had not gotten my daughter out of it. Sure. Like, they are they they value the redemption more right. than whatever the evil was. Okay. If I... This may have been too fast, but to conclude on it... What? Like no 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 but like my 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 thoughts I think that I'm finalizing my thoughts on it is I don't like well don't finalize when we're still talking no no finalize no this it. is it this is it this Shut is it Jackson's down. definitive answer on Felix Culpa it's because in in personally say that the girl that taking your example she gets raped yeah. which is a terrible thing that happens to her out of that terrible thing can come a beautiful thing if her daughter is amazing even if her daughter is amazing it's life is always a wonderful thing and that's a personal sin example personal fall that happens but when there's just senseless reckless violence that happens in in gross amounts in large scale that you can't sort of claim personally for yourself that it's it's disease it's war it sees that is a result from the fall and this broken world I can't be, oh, oh, great sin, oh, happy fall that this happened. Right, but that's looking ahead. It's saying the little stories I know, I've gotten so much joy out of the redemption that came out of them. So these big stories that I don't see the redemption yet, I'm believing that at the end of all things, when all things are reconciled, that I will look at those big things like genocide and go, oh, wow, like... God is a great savior because mm. I'm a great sinner or because we are great sinners. And that's, and that's where we get into Tolkien where, um, and I, Dave's <laughs> going to fight me a little bit on this, but Tolkien was really, I think, big into Felix Culpa. Oh, happy fall it's stuff. Debatable. <laughs> he, he wrote this essay called on fairy stories where he talks about, he, he makes his own term. It's called a you catastrophes. You means good. And then catastrophes a good catastrophe. Mm. And it's that stories have to plunge into this super darkness and like everything's mm. about to surround that. And the best fairy, the best fairy stories, the best mythology is when out of that, there's this sudden, powerful, miraculous rescue. And that is what we want in our stories. And we want it because it's what's true of the world and so oh man he's got this great quote he's talking about it and he says uh it is the mark of a good fairy story that however wild its events however fantastic or terrible the adventures when the turn comes a catch of the breath a beat and lifting of the heart 
near to, or indeed accompanied by tears, as keen as that given by any form of literary quality, there's no tale ever told that men would rather find was true. And so then he goes on to the Christian story and he says, the Christian joy, the Gloria is of the same kind. The story is supreme and it is true. Art has been verified. God is the Lord of angels and of men and of elves. Legend and history. <laughs> Legend and history have met and fused. Oh, man, it's so good. And uh, so what he's saying is the reason you love my Tolkien stories and how it seems so hopeless and it's this small being that's able to crush evil, right, by drop, losing the ring, is um, you love it because it's true of the human condition. Mm-hmm. That the greatest you catastrophe that's ever happened is Jesus coming, mm-hmm. and we love that story. So we should say, oh, happy fall. I think that it's a mix-up of... What God does is good and wonderful. He works through everything to do these wonderful acts. That doesn't mean that the the evil act that he had to work out of was a good thing for it to happen. Because whether it happened or not, he's going to do wonderful things in our lives. Mm. I think the thing is, I I sort of agree with you guys when you have trouble with it, that I'm not sure logically I love it very consistently. Right. But I just think it fits where we are now. Yeah. That I can't yeah. imagine we, what it was in the garden before sin. But because I know what sin is like, mm-hmm. I get what people, I get that outburst that comes out of people when they say, oh, happy fall. Like, I get that. That re- rings true to my experience. Redemption is great because of the reality of the fall. Right. But if there was no fall, it's not that we'd be missing out on redemption. Would Jesus have come if there was no fall? Who knows? <laughs> Do you think? Not in the same sense because he wouldn't be coming as a savior. Mm. The other thing is, okay, so the biggest advocate today for Felix Culpa is... Joel Osteen? <laughs> what? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Alvin Plantinga, obviously, oh, the right. Christian philosopher. Right. So he's like the hot item now and... He's really old, but he's like hot. <laughs> How is he the hot item? Like, oh, because when we, when anybody talks about philosophy, we're like, hey, you heard of Alvin Plantinga? Like, right. he's the Christian philosopher. But his whole thing is, oh man, I want to describe this well. That there's free will, the world is screwed up, and there's atonement in it. So how could a god? It's the theodicy issue. How could a good god who's all powerful and all loving? Why is there suffering? So his argument is there must be a bunch of possible worlds that God could have created at the start. So he could have created a world without free will. Hmm. But then because that world was not the best world, he didn't create that one. And he could have created one where, you know, like we have feet for hands and hands for feet. But that like, no, that was just dumb. (laughs) But he (laughs) he could have created all these other options. He could have created one without the fall. But because he created one with the fall, that is the best possible world. So what he concludes from that is Hmm. it must be that the best possible world that God can create logically with the limits he sets on himself and logical limits is one that has atonement stories in it. Hmm. The best possible world is one where Jesus comes and redeems people. So that's his argument for why it should make sense, which it blew my mind when I first heard it. 
But this summer when I was on camp team, I gave that answer to two different campers after having long conversations about suffering and why mm. it was happening and giving them lots of different looks at it, you know, like philosophical, but really not philosophical, like emotional, like God right. suffers with us and like lots of things. And then I told them that argument and both of them were like, wow, that makes sense. Mm. Like that was the argument where they were like paused and were like, huh? Like it, it clicked in something with how they could figure out why suffering was around. And that's what it did for me. But that argument is completely based on the happy fall thing. That the fall was necessary for the best possible world to happen. Right. So, I don't know. What do you think about that? What, was it Don Page? Dr. Page? Yeah. Is God loves the multiverse? Didn't yeah. He, didn't write God so loves the multiverse. Right? Is And that I have problems with the multiverse. And maybe I need to talk to him about what? it. What? But, yeah, that's just oh. science. There's no, there's no religious implications for the there, multiverse. Don't be threatened by science. I must. I no, no. I'm not. Don't get mail. scared. I'm not. Opti- mail. <laughs> Hang on, you two. I'm not. Um, did it spike there? I'm not it's threatened okay. by science. I'm threatened by the multiverse. <laughs> Which is science. no, it's not. I mean, it's theoretical. No, science. It's theoretical. Uh, but because of the Hebrews passage, I'm also threatened by aliens. Because of the Hebrews passage, really about there's the, definitely aliens about. Tanner about listener mail. <laughs> you should say one more controversial thing. We'll shut down the podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ suffered once for all. Once for all the world. If there is another multiverse, did he suffer for that universe? Would he have to suffer again? If there's aliens who are moral sentient beings or whatever, would he and they are also prone to the fall, would they would he have to die for them again or was his cause his death a cosmic redemption for them too in Didn't their we fall? talk about this on another podcast no i don't remember really? that by the way communion might have some real presence in it <laughs> i'm just trying to stir stir feathers or ruffle feathers um <laughs> no 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 i that's like C.S. Lewis out of the silent planet, right? Or Paralandria. Yeah. So yeah that's right. all about there's different worlds and some of them there's no sin and some of them there is. And he goes to one where like Adam and Eve are currently being tempted and he tries to stop the tempter in that oh, world. Really? It's pretty interesting, but it, yeah, that gets trippy because it's like, well, is there a fourth part of the Trinity that just hasn't been revealed to us on this earth? Because we don't need to know about it. Just like in the Old Testament, they didn't know about the other two parts of the Trinity. Wow. Where like for some other world where there's intelligent beings, they're going to have another part revealed that we don't know anything about. Right. And when they visit us, they'll tell us about it. And we're like, what? I've always thought there could be aliens out there. I don't think there are, but there could be. But I would say that I'd be fairly confident. I'd be fairly confident that there are no creatures anywhere in any universe ever that are at our level like humans are their own it's pretty arrogant day thing wow. right so there could be other beings on other planets on other universes <laughs> but they're not the pinnacle of creation no that yeah. are either above us like angels or either below us like other animals so why couldn't they be at the same level because i just don't i think like in terms of his his designs for for creation for mm-hmm. whatever this is that we're going through we are unique it's a very geocentric view of the universe. Everybody spins around humans. No. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the Bible. What, <laughs> <just> wanna... <laughs> what does God spend all his time on? On Here. humans. 
But you don't know what he's doing somewhere else. He could be spending all of his other time on someone else. I love in the Genesis passage, and then God remembered Noah. What were you doing while the earth was flooding, God? He's like working on Jupiter, and he's like, oh my goodness. Oh, right, this is getting out of hand. It's like this spinning plate, and he's like, oh my goodness. You gotta gotta keep keep that one spinning. (laughs) Crash. God remembered. Then a star blows up, he's like, oh shoot. I knew I forgot something. That's a little bit funny, right? Uh. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Alan Planinga. Right. Read him. Very interesting. <laughs> Love that argument. More, He's, yeah. More importantly, read Cornelius Plantinga Jr. He's the guy. He wrote the book on sin. Is he his son? Uh, no, he's his brother. And read Tolkien. Well, yeah, but then they'll come to our my opinion. No, they won't. Yes, they will. Because <laughs> his things are based on that. <laughs> You're not reading the text for what it is. Uh, you're putting, you're projecting your own stuff on Tolkien. You're ridiculous. And if you don't become an anarchist after reading Tolkien, you've read it wrong. <laughs> briefly, and you guys know what's coming when I say the word briefly. Do you think... <laughs> do, my, my Oh, happy fall. I think that gives justification to watch terrible movies mm. as long as there's a redemption at the end of it. Children of Men. It's my favorite movie. And that's why I don't like it. You, you don't if there if there's something, oh you were saying against that yeah if you were tri- tricked me if, I know I did if there's something wrong with the conclusion you have to check the premise right if if the happy if the fall is good then we can watch whatever we want no 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 that's like people who are like oh my goodness if we actually presented the Bible stories like they are they wouldn't be safe and fun for the whole family none of the Bible stories would be uh, well um, like. You couldn't watch the freaking Passion of the Christ because it would be like, wow, there was a lot of gory stuff before we got to the good stuff. Yeah, the gory stuff makes the good stuff even better. You have to look for the themes and the arcs of movies. Right. You can't look at the specific, like, Taken. I have a huge problem with Taken because Taken's arc is vengeance. Right. It's revenge. I'm not so bothered by the violence because if that violence was in a different movie that had a different arc... I think that violence would be part of the redemption at the end. The same amount of senseless violence in movie A like Taken. But I don't think it would be senseless. Because it's used for the art. Violence isn't bad in itself then? No, I'm saying Christians do safe and fun for the whole family and insulate themselves from hard stories in the world. I think there's some very difficult movies to watch that are much more Christian than the sanitized Christian films that are released. I just, because there are problems, there are actions that we just don't need. I think that violence is majorly a thing that we just don't need to watch. We don't need to observe it. Not to say that it's like that we need to sanitize and avoid violence. and be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with the world. And if there are things wrong with the world, we should avoid being involved with them. But I'm like, we don't need to watch them and to be a part of them and immerse ourselves in them in order to get but what if the whole point of like the filmographer is filming it in such a way as to make you dislike violence, that you like violence mm. less by the end of it? And that's why I say like a children of man. It's a world crumbling, but you're not getting excited by violence. You're sickened by how broken that world is. Mm. And it makes the redemption all the sweeter. It also, yeah, it'd also be hard to tell any story ever. Like, like because you, the root of violence is conflict. Yeah. That's what you were saying earlier. So you need conflict in your stories. Right. Like, why would you ever watch any sin? 
It's not just violence. Why would you watch mm. any sin being portrayed in film or story? Which is the root of most stories. I'll yeah. have to think about that if if sin is always conflict. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. That was good. Yeah. I like that. So where are we at? We are at... What's ev- the conclusion? Everyone um, is going to hate you. <laughs> yeah, hate mail will stack up. Oh, man. People are so not open to new I, ideas. I love Explore it. them. I, I love it. New ideas. Bad. <laughs> are we good? That's good. Yeah, All right, Jackson, get us out of here. Thanks for joining us. Had fun as usual. I'm Jackson O'Brien. I'm David Short. And I'm Tanner Hoffs. Have a happy fall. <laughs>